Well, despite Abraham's calling, called to leave his country, his people, his father's household, and go to a land God would show him, God promising he'd make his name great, make him into a great nation, make him a blessing, blessing all peoples on earth through him. For many years, Abraham remains childless. And as he reminds God, that means a servant in his household will be his heir. Yet the Lord repeats, he'll have many offspring, as many as the stars in the sky. And Abraham believes him and it's credited to him as righteousness. At 99, God changes Abraham's name to Abraham, father of many, and again tells him his wife Sarai, now to be called Sarah, will have a son at a mere 90 Three visitors, the Lord himself, are shown typical Eastern hospitality by Abraham and again tell him, Sarah will give birth to Isaac, meaning laughter. And Sarah overhears and laughs. (laughs) Worn out, past childbearing age, her husband old, will she now have this pleasure? But God asks why she's laughing, saying, Is anything too hard for the Lord? At Breakaway this week, Harry shared with us some wonderful stories of laughter and reminded us of Isaac, who surely indeed brought the gift of laughter to Abraham and Sarah in their old age, and at last the potential for the fulfilment of God's promises, which Abraham, the man of faith, had continued to believe in. And at our Good News Club after breakaway, the exercise lady didn't come because she wasn't well. And as a suddenly, we invented something new to do. And we looked at Abraham's story. And two of our members came out with their own incredible, similar stories of faith. Both had suffered from rheumatoid fever in their late teens. They'd been told they'd never have children and they'd die young. And they both sat there well past the maximum 45 years old promised. And they talked happily, laughingly perhaps, about children and grandchildren, maybe even great-grandchildren. They were women of faith. They'd not given up. They'd not allowed people to abort or sterilise. And they'd seen God's faithfulness to them. Hebrews 11 verse 1 says, Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we don't see, even when others or circumstances imply that what we believe God's told us is impossible. Adele's just taken out to Zimbabwe a beautiful set of letters that Steve Spencer has made spelling hope. That's surely a pertinent gift at this time for Zimbabwe in their time of radical change. And they will need faith, certainty in their hope of a better future. They don't just want a pipe dream that only lasts a few excited days or weeks. They will want to see their country transformed. So how do we know if we have faith? James tells us in our passage today that if we claim to have faith but we don't show it in deeds, in actions, in what we do, that faith will not save us. James says it's like telling someone who's hungry or without clothes, I really care about you, but goodbye. 
and walking off and doing nothing. That is surely a nonsense. And such words of compassion are at best hypocrisy and at worst cruel and heartless and uncaring. Dot and others have responded, haven't they, to the refugees in Calais and gone and worked for them regularly. Paul and Liz and others have responded to the homeless in Chatham by taking curry and prayer and love to them to show they really do value them. Our missionaries overseas are working with the handicapped and the materially poor and those lacking education and they've given their time, their lives to respond to them. Those here involved in pastoral care have given time and listening ears to care for the lonely and the housebound. And these actions all arise because they see the poor and they respond. James tell us faith and deeds equally much need to be yoked together. They're married, they're inseparable, otherwise neither has any meaning. A guy called Manton said, actions without faith is like a building without a foundation. And the Message Bible says, isn't it obvious that God talk without God acts is outrageous nonsense? Can you cut faith and works in two and not end up with a corpse on your hands? It's not that we need to do things to gain salvation, as Paul teaches in his doctrine of justification by faith, it's by grace we are saved, the gift of God. And it's not by works, so no one can boast. Simply believing in the death and resurrection of Christ does save us. The penitent thief on the cross is told by Jesus, you'll be with me in paradise today. He hasn't got time to do any works. He hasn't got opportunity. But once we have faith, that faith would not be real if in real life going onwards, no actions followed. Because if we really believe in Christ and have faith, we'll love him. And if we love him, we'll obey him and we'll keep his commandments. Ron obviously sounds like a good example of that, a man who lived his life for Christ. And so we live our lives as if we believe Christ died for us, and we know we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works prepared in advance for us to do. Matthew Henry says, good works from gospel motives for gospel purposes. And we won't miss or waste opportunities given us. I missed an opportunity this week to do good. Marianne did a painful walk to the church to join us for praying the streets and missed us because we'd already gone, so did a painful walk back. In the morning, I'd thought of ringing her, but I'd not got round to it. You know, James is quite strong. He says, if we know the good we ought to do and we don't do it, we sin. It's a challenging book. Now, of course, we can't do everything for everyone in need, but we can learn to listen to that still, small voice that urges us to an action and respond to it before it's too late. James says it's good to believe there's only one God But if all we do is believe there's one God without any further response, we're no better than the demons. 
they believe in God and carry on in their evil ways. Real faith relationship with God transforms us. Faith without deeds, without transformed lives is useless. It's impotent. It's dead. The dead do nothing. We are given salvation then as a free gift. And out of our depth of gratitude as a new creation in Christ, transformed by the renewing of our minds, we live our lives in good works. Returning to Abraham, his hopes for the fulfilment of God's promises rested in his son Isaac through God had promised to build him into a great nation and bless the world. So when God tells him to take that only son who he loves to Mount Moriah and sacrifice him there as a burnt offering, surely he might have doubted that was a command from God. He might not have believed his own head. But he does. He knows his God and he takes that only son. He takes the donkey, he takes the wood, the servants, and off he goes. And Abraham carries the fire and the knife and Isaac carries the wood and he lays Isaac on the top of the altar he's built and raises his knife to slay him. Now that is faith in action. All his dreams, all his hopes were wrapped up in that boy and yet he's willing to sacrifice him. Hebrews tells us that Abraham reasoned that God could raise the dead. And figuratively speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. What a mighty God we serve. What a beautiful God we serve. The one who was prepared to do the same with his own son for us in order to bring us salvation, not stopping before his death, but letting him go right through it. And thankfully, he's not only the God who died for us, he's also the God that raises us back to life. And we trust in that for Ron tonight. So Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. When I did my reader training, unfortunately it was between the diocese moving from one college to another and so the courses were not credited. So I'm currently supplementing them and fitting them in with the current syllabus at the college I'm going to in order to get them credited. Abraham's actions were credited to him as righteousness. He was put right with God, not just right in a cold way, meaning no punishment for sin or wrongdoing, but right meaning he was fully reconciled to God. We're told in James and Isaiah, he was God's friend. Wow, a privilege. Faith brings friendship with God. You're my friends, Jesus says if you do what I command. Faith brings healing. It brings peace. It brings freedom from suffering. It brings whatever you ask for in prayer, we're promised elsewhere. It brings joy. Faith can be helped to grow and develop. God can stretch it and deepen it and enliven it as we walk with him and read his word and fellowship with his people and remember all he's done for us in the past and trust in his promises for the future. Of course, Abraham was a mighty man of Israel, the founding father, one who Jews continue to look up to, as do we Christians. He's a great example. Can we live up to that? 
Well, James takes another example next. He takes Rahab, a prostitute, a heathen from a godless foreign nation, no pedigree, no history of faith. And James says, even she is considered righteous because of what she does. She endangers her own life, hiding the spies who've come to look over Jericho and helping them escape. Because she believes in the God of Israel, who's brought his people through the Red Sea and destroyed their enemies before them. The Lord, she says, is God in heaven and on the earth below. And her faith is credited to her as well as righteousness. So anyone can have faith, James is saying, and have it credited to them as righteousness and be reconciled to God as their faith is worked out in actions. Life without the spirit is dead. Faith without deeds is dead. If you've got no breath in your body, you're like a stillborn baby. There was a sad example on the news this week of a lady whose baby had been born, stillborn. Or you're like a corpse. You can't do anything. And that's what it's like if we don't display our faith in action. In life we breathe, in faith we do. Not works of the law to justify ourselves, but fruits of the Spirit who lives in us. And so we become people of living, vital, complete, perfect, mature faith. Not like a tree on which there's only leaves and no fruit, like the fig tree that Jesus cursed in Matthew. Or like a plant which has roots but has got no beautiful plant visible above ground. If we stay in Jesus, we bear much fruit. And that fruit shows to the world. So what's your faith today? What do you believe and how do we see it by what you do? I've just been through a fairly long process over two years leading to a bishop's advisory panel to see if I'm called to ordination to be a priest because I believe that's what God told me to do. It's involved lots of my time and lots of other people's time, lots of soul-searching and exploration. And the answer came back Thursday night at 9 o'clock in a call from the bishop that I'm not recommended for ordination training. Now, I don't know what that means at this stage, and I need to work it through. But I don't doubt in the God who loves me and the God that has a perfect plan for my life. And I know he'll make plain to me in his time what he calls me to instead or how he will work this round so that that calling is still fulfilled. I have faith that despite how things currently might seem, there's been a reason for me going through that process and God will achieve his purposes through that. What God tells us to do isn't always easy. It doesn't always work out the way we expect or happen in the way we expected it to. But we can always trust God. We can always have faith in him. And that faith really shows when the chips are down and we go on loving him and serving him and working for him. So I guess my challenge to you all tonight, and I know you do it anyway, but is don't let your faith disappear out the window in those times when it's difficult. 
but hang on to it and keep on showing by what you do and the way you live and the way you care for and love others and God that we are a people of faith. And it's faith with deeds, not faith that's dead without. In Jesus' name, amen.